Welcome to the Wealth Setting Podcast. This is episode 404. Today is February 17th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, the market is still open as I record this, so who knows how the day and the week will actually close out. This is a long holiday weekend because of President's Day on Monday, and then this is also options expiration for the month. And so any movement that takes place today is going to be exaggerated, especially from a volume perspective because of those two reasons alone. So in any case, who knows what happens in the market day to day. I do think, though, that we've seen this week that maybe some reality is creeping into the market. And I don't necessarily think that the lows that we saw put in in October are the end of all this. And it has to do with that concept that the millennials have not yet lived through their first big dot-com bubble experience. You know, the stock market, as I always talk about, is driven, particularly over the short run, on human emotions. It's all about fear and greed. And really, since the housing crisis of 2008 and the global financial crisis that took place that year, with not only the Federal Reserve, but also all the other central banks and all the governments printing money and stimulating the economy, we really, for these past 15 years, have not seen a major crisis. Even with the hysteria that took place when COVID first hit, well, that didn't last but, what, two or three weeks? I mean, pull up a stock chart and see how quickly the markets recovered. And that's because in that crisis, just like pretty much every other crisis has happened in the last 15 years or so, we have what's been called the Fed put, which is putting a floor underneath how low the market can drop. And so when the COVID pandemic came along... The Federal Reserve came in with that put, and they threw pretty close to $6 trillion at that problem. And then, of course, that facilitated the government to come in with all their follow-on stimulus spending. All that created a huge bubble and massive excess that still hasn't been unwound over these past three years. Again, this is why I don't think we saw the lows in October and why I've been very cautious and sitting about 90% in cash and not even trying to participate in this run-up that we've seen over the last six or seven weeks or so. Because I think the last shoe has not dropped. The excesses are still there. You know that because look at all the zombie companies, a lot of these characterized by the meme stock mania, that shouldn't even be in business. Well, they're not trading for zero yet. And that kind of gets back to this title about the millennials need to experience a dot-com bubble type crash. If you're not familiar with the dot-com bubble, that's what happened to the internet stocks back in the late 1990s and early 2000s. Everyone rightfully believed that the internet was the wave of the future. But many people wrongly believed that that meant that you just jump into stocks because they have a dot-com in the end of their name or because they're going to sell something online because they have a search engine. That's why when I wrote my book, The Robots Are Coming, the fourth part of that book, and really the main emphasis of the book, talks about thinking like an investor, not a speculator. An investor is patient. An investor doesn't think that every trade he makes is going to go to the moon. An investor looks at the market and ignores all the hype and all the advertising and all the fear of missing out. And what they do is they focus on realistic profit expectations. 
and they come up with what they think a fair valuation is for an investment. Not just thinking that, oh, if I buy this stock today, it has momentum and some fool's going to pay more for it tomorrow than what I paid for it today. That's not what an investor does. An investor looks at the likely outcomes and what today's valuations are and then takes on the risk of investing in what they think has value for future appreciation. We didn't see much investing taking place during all these excesses from the pandemic. Everybody was thinking that they were going to get rich quick and they could easily jump into a stock or a cryptocurrency or a special purpose acquisition company or buying an Airbnb property or whatever it was. Everybody was just jumping in willy-nilly trying to make a quick buck. And that is not yet over. There's still plenty of money flooding the system, which is why we've seen this rally over the last six or seven weeks. Remember specifically back to the dot-com bubble. It didn't end simply when the NASDAQ crashed around the summer, I think it was 2000. We didn't get a bottom in the market until about 2003. And that's because in addition to the bubble bursting with all the internet stocks, we also had the black swan event come in, which in that case happened to be the terrorist attacks of September 11th. That's another reason why I've been very concerned, especially since the latter part of last year, that we're not only going to see the bubble burst and all the pandemic hysteria and pandemic excesses, but I think given all the geopolitical issues that are happening right now, that it's a better than likely chance that we get a black swan event, which will not only take the stock market down to a low of maybe hitting a, a long-term moving average, but dropping even farther than that. That's, again, what happened during the dot-com bubble once you had the terrorist attacks, and even with the housing crisis of 2008, the market didn't totally collapse until after you had the black swan event of Lehman Brothers, which really triggered the entire global financial crisis. Ah, but I digress. Hey, I meant this to be a quick episode. I've already gone longer than I wanted to. Let me run through six or seven or so reasons why we saw the market running up and why I think it's likely to be coming back down. Now, a lot of these are just euphemisms. I'm going to go through them quickly. I've talked about many of them in the past, but I continue to get questions about these. So I'll do a lightning round of my rationale on this, and you can pick and choose which reality you want to believe. One of the main reasons, though, that we did see this big run-up at the start of the new year is generally what you always see at the start of a new year, and specifically when the new year follows a bad year. This is called a seasonal effect. And specifically this year, when we came off of the S&P 500 being down about 20% last year and small cap and tech stocks being down you know, a good 30% or more, what took place at the end of 2022 was a bunch of selling for tax harvesting reasons. And the way the wash rules work on taking a capital gain loss on selling a stock is that if you're in a taxable account, you can't repurchase that stock that you've taken a loss on for at least 30 days. And so for all the people that sold, especially like in December, they couldn't buy back into those stocks until sometime in January in the new year. So that seasonal effect of tax harvesting caused all the people to take losses on Facebook and Uber 
and Shopify and Walmart and everything else, they sold those stocks in 2022 and then had to come back and rebuy them sometime in January or February of this year. So seasonality had a big factor in it. Another big factor is in buying the dip. And this is something that you always hear me talk about, but I have a caveat about buying the dip that most people ignore. Now, the euphemisms on Wall Street about buy the dip are things like a relief rally, a dead cat bounce, catching a falling knife, a sucker's rally. And that refers to the foolishness of buying the dip when you're only looking at the price as opposed to the value. Okay, so when I say buy the dip, I'm referring to the dip in valuations, which doesn't necessarily correlate to a dip in a stock's price. As an example, look at a stock like Shopify. I don't remember how much it dropped from its pandemic hysteria high, but I think in October when it bottomed out, it had fallen close to 90% from where it had been in 2021. And since those lows, it's had an incredible price run-up, something probably, I don't know, 60-70% from the bottom. But it's still down probably 70 or 80% from its peak back in 2021. And I don't want to try and catch a falling knife on a way overhyped stock like that because it comes down to valuations. I don't care about the price. I care about the value of the stock. And that stock, even at its current price of around, I don't know, $43 or so, even though that looks like a great buy compared to a couple years ago when it was at, I don't know, $180, $170 some dollars, that's not a dip that I want to buy because I don't think the price should have ever been at $180 or $170 to begin with. The company wasn't profitable then, and they're still only talking about profitability now, looking at it in the future. And even if they do end up making a nickel or so this year, well, the stock is priced at $43. That makes the valuation something like 800 times future earnings, right? That's like 800 years of profits. Now, maybe they will. Maybe they will have some more explosive growth, but I'm not willing to take that chance. And again, this doesn't mean that Shopify is a bad company or that they have a bad business model or that they're going to go out of business. It just means that I think that the valuation of the stock, regardless of how good the company may be, I think the company's stock is at a crazy, unrealistic valuation. And that's regardless of how far the price has dropped. So buying the dip is not a dip in price. It's buying the dip on value. It's when the valuations come down that I want to buy into because that's where the real bargain is. And when people rush in and they simply buy the dip in prices, that's how you get a dead cat bounce or a relief rally or a sucker's rally or someone trying to catch a falling knife. That's what I think we've seen so far this year with everybody rushing in to buy a bargain price, but the reality is going to set in that the valuations are still too high. And in fact, valuations now, because we've had declining earnings, valuations now are more expensive and worse than they were six months ago or eight months ago or 12 months ago. So people now that think they're buying the dip, in reality, they're buying at another peak. It's just a peak of valuations, not a peak of prices. 
Okay, the next item, while we've seen such a big run-up these last few weeks, is about short squeezes. This comes back to that concept that I talk about, about investing being like a canoe. A canoe is a very stable and functional watercraft whenever it's balanced, just like the stock market is. But when it gets out of balance, a canoe can easily be capsized or tipped over. Again, just like the stock market. And that's when people in a canoe all lean to the same side. You see that in a stock market when everyone is positioned the same way and believes in the same investing theme, even if that theme is accurate. And this has been a perfect example where as we come into 2023, I do think that there's been a high degree of a recession and a market downturn occurring at some point in 2023. But I've also said that a lot of that risk is going to be mitigated because everybody already believes that. So to the extent that that's priced into the market and everyone is positioned either being in cash or by buying puts or by selling the market short, that throws the canoe of investing out of balance. Everybody's leaning over the much-anticipated recession side of the canoe. And so when the least little bit of good news comes in, and especially when low-information investors start jumping back into the market on that dead cat bounce, well then, all the professional traders and these hedge funds that shorted the market, they get caught up in what's called a short squeeze. And what happens when you get that unexpected rise in prices is that a margin call was created where that hedge fund, whoever they borrowed the stock from, they had to put up collateral to borrow that stock so that they could sell it short. And as the price goes up instead of going down, they start losing money on that trade. And their broker is only going to let them lose money to the extent that they've got collateral to back it up. And so a short squeeze occurs when all these hedge funds or anybody else that's shorting stocks, they get margin calls and they're forced to go out and close their short positions, meaning they have to buy those stocks back but instead of buying them at a lower price like they anticipated, they're buying them at a higher price. And every time a stock is bought like that, that means that it's an incremental move up. And so it's called a short squeeze because all the short sellers are forced to go back into the market and close out those positions and buy those stocks at ever-increasing prices. And because it's a squeeze, because it's based on margin calls rather than buying on value, it doesn't last. It's just like when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste and you let go, some of that toothpaste gets sucked back in. And that's what happens when prices increase on a short squeeze, they go up abruptly, and then all of a sudden they get squeezed back down to reality. Something else that has taken place early this year that's caused the market to go up is when the news went from worse to bad. Okay, last year everybody was so worried about inverted yield curves, and the problems with inflation and rising interest rates and all kinds of things that really never impacted the economy last year, but everybody was worried about, and it drove stock prices lower. Well, now people have magically forgotten about all those problems, even though now we're actually seeing the carry-on effect of them into the stock market. It didn't matter short-term that the yield curve was inverted or that borrowing costs were going up, because in 2022... Most corporations didn't have to roll over their debt. It didn't impact their bottom line. 
So as we get into 2023, maybe the news isn't as bad this year as they thought it was last year. But the fact of the matter is, the bad news is still going to impact corporate profits. And so in that case, horrible news going to bad news isn't good for stock prices. Because bad news is still bad news. Okay, last reason that I think that we saw such a big increase in the market over these last six or so weeks, it's about fear of missing out, FOMO, and that whole instinct of greed and people being impatient. A lot of people sat out all or most of last year. And then we get into this year and we see the seasonality and the short squeeze and these other factors taking place. And these low information investors, they look around and they got that fear of missing out. Oh my goodness. I was worried last year that the economy was going to crash. It didn't crash. I'm going to miss out on another bull market. And so they jump into the market when valuations are crazy high. That impatience is why most people can never successfully build wealth in the stock market. Because they're always driven by fear and greed. And just like a little kid that can't wait for a candy bar, right? They have no time preference. They have to have immediate, quick gratification. That's where most people are in the stock market. They look around at what happened yesterday or what's happening today, and rather than thinking things out rationally, and knowing that if they just bide their time a little bit one way or the other, they can make a better investment. Well, they don't do that. They're like that little kid that wants the candy bar now. And with fear of missing out, they panic by buying into the market when it's too high. And then when the greed kicks in, they panic when the market falls apart and they sell at the bottom. These euphemisms, these old Wall Street adages, and this big increase that we've seen over the last six weeks, it's why I don't think the worst of things are over yet. It's why I think there's more bad news to come, and it really all comes down to the fact that the millennials have yet to see a major market crash or correction. What's happened last year with a 20% or so decrease in the S&P 500 was simply a garden-style correction or mild bear market. That wasn't a crash. That wasn't a bubble bursting. And so that's why I think the worst is yet to come. Now, I'll caveat all this with, you know, I can't predict the future. And a big bubble bursting could be corrected simply by policy changes or simply by the Fed coming in and throwing another, you know, five or six trillion dollars at the problem. So I don't know that the market's going lower this year. But as for me and my money, I'm about 90% in cash and I'm not ready to jump back in just yet. But when I do, as always, you'll be the first to know. So until then, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.